Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. There's a lot of scripture here. You can go ahead and turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 1, but we're going to be looking at Colossians 2 and Galatians 5, Acts chapter 2. We're going to be looking at lots of different places. All right. Has anybody ever told you that you look like someone, especially like someone famous, like you're the doppelganger for that person? You might have those, a few of those. Am I willing to yell out who that is? The Undertaker, <laughs> especially when you used to have long hair, right? What else? Anybody else? All right. Okay. Thanks for sharing. Appreciate that. Now, um, I've had quite a few over my uh, life. When I was younger and didn't have so much gray hair, um, I used to get, and back when he was like really popular, I kept my hair buzzed all the time. And I had numerous people think that I was Lance Armstrong. I guess the whole, you know, steroids thing. I don't know. Um, But uh, I had a lot of people think that. I heard that quite a bit. And then um, I was sort of excited about this one. As I got a little bit more gray, started wearing the beard a little more regularly, I started hearing Brett Favre, uh, NFL quarterback. I was like, that's cool. I I can go with that one, you know. I I can go with that. I, I would hear that from time to time. Still hear it every now and then. But overwhelmingly, the one I hear a lot, like I'm kind of sick of it, is can anybody guess? None of y'all guess. Anderson Cooper. I hear Anderson Cooper all the time, all the stinking time. Um, And usually it's like, oh man, you like Anderson Cooper. Uh, Back last summer when our family went to Myrtle Beach for a little family getaway with my mom and dad and everybody, my sister, uh, we were going to a little surf shop, you know, down in Myrtle Beach. And we walked in this surf shop and this lady, the owner was there and she was on her phone. She was FaceTiming somebody. And I come up to the counter, we're going to pay for our stuff. And she looked at me, she was like, Anderson Cooper! And I was like, no, no, ma'am, no, ma'am. I hear that all the time, but no, it's not me. She's like, oh, yeah, you're Anderson Cooper. And I was like, no, no. And she's on FaceTime. She turns the phone around and shows her brother who she's FaceTime and says, look, look, see who it is. And I'm like, hey. And he said, Anderson Cooper. And I'm like, no, no, it's not. And we go back and forth. She's talking. And I'm like, look, I hear it all the time, but I promise you, um, I didn't want to say this, but I thought, you know, I probably wouldn't be shopping in your store if I was Anderson Cooper and had that kind of money. But anyway, I I didn't say that because I was trying to be nice. But she's like, Anderson Cooper. And so I tell her, I was like, yeah, I I get it all the time. I kept repeating that. And she was just adamant. I was at Anderson Cooper. So it gets to the point we check out and she says, hold up, hold up. Can I take a picture with you? And she comes around, she's got her phone, gets Sherry, my wife, to take a picture of us. And I'm like standing there with her. And she's like, just in case that you're Anderson Cooper. She wanted like photo evidence. And she, when I walked out of there, she thought, I ain't getting nary bit of discount. No discount for being a celebrity, but I, I get that all the time. And that happens sometimes. Sometimes in life, there's some, some cases of mistaken identity. If you look at it on social media, You'll see there's some people who just are like, people are adamant that so-and-so, and they'll get crowds around them. I didn't get a crowd that day, but they think they know who they're looking at. They think that this is the person. Um, you know, they get confused and they don't understand who somebody really is, or they think somebody's the wrong person. It, you know, it's, it's so many different ways. And I believe that a lot of times that that's sort of the way it can be with the Holy Spirit. 
I believe with the Holy Spirit of God, we sort of get confused about what the Holy Spirit's supposed to look like, to act like, how he's supposed to communicate with us and interact with us. And we're sort of confused about exactly what or who the Holy Spirit is. Some people just think the Holy Spirit's just this uh, nebulous power, uh, sort of like the force that just sort of floats around and in and out of people. But the Holy Spirit is very much a, a person in the sense of it is an identity. It is the, part of the Godhead. Some people like to use the word Trinity, but part of the Godhead, three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is a being. He is God, and we need to learn how He wants to work with us. Now, last week, as we started Ephesians chapter 1, talking about wake-up call, we looked at how one of the things that we need to understand is that the mystery is that everybody can be together as the church. And we talked about how if we're going to be, as a church, if we're going to be one, and back then it was Jews and Gentiles, and they did not see eye to eye on anything. The Jews had been raised for centuries to avoid mixing with anybody else, and so now they're supposed to be one big happy family. It was a little bit chaotic. It was a little bit difficult. But we're supposed to learn that lesson too. Even though we may be different, we might have different likes and dislikes, we might have different personalities, we might come from different backgrounds, we're called to be one in Christ. Now these Jewish believers, they were the ones who were the first people to get to obey the gospel. We see in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when the church begins. And so the Apostle Paul, he's sort of saying, look, us Jewish believers, we were the first ones to follow Jesus. But then you Gentile believers, the ones who, and just in case you don't know these words, that I'm th- I mean, most of us are familiar with Jewish, but you might not be as familiar with Gentile. Gentile is just anybody who's not a Jew. And so all these Jewish uh, Gentile people, they come along and they get the opportunity to be a Christian. That was mind-boggling for a lot of the Jews. But Paul says, as he writes here into the letter to Ephesus, he says, even though it's shocking to the Jews, or that's what's implied, they also could follow Jesus. So in this passage in Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to look at and learn some things about what the Spirit does, this mysterious, understood part of the Godhead. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 with me, if you would. Ephesians 1, verse 11. We'll have it on the screen. In Him, that is Christ, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. So that we who were first to hope in Christ, that would be the Jews and the apostles, which would be included in the Jews, might be to the praise of His glory. Now, if, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about that, those couple of verses there because we touched on that same idea last week. So if you haven't listened to that message or watched that one, go back and watch that one last week. But the point is this. He said the Jews, including the apostles, were the first to be able to hope in Jesus. And guess what? Here's one of the first things that we learn from when he says the Gentiles, you Gentiles also get to be a part of the family of God, is that the Spirit seals us. Okay? What does that mean? What does it mean the Spirit seals us? You know, is it like, like that? All right, man, y'all got to give me something. Y'all got to give me something. I mean, at least I get up there and throw myself out there. Y'all can at least laugh at me, not even with me. I'm good with at me. I'm good with that. But no, what does he mean when he seals us? Look at verse 13. In him you also, who's the you? The 
Gentiles, right? The Gentiles. You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Now, that word there in the Greek where it's translated sealed here, as we're reading from the English Standard Version, is the idea of set a mark upon, like a, like a stamp, like put a big stamp, a big seal. Like if you remember when Jesus was put in the tomb, it said that it was marked with the seal so that it could not be disturbed. It was, Lord, you almost think of like a wax seal possibly, you know, it was marked. So this is what it is. It was like a letter being stamped. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. But here's what that means. It signifies ownership. So when you become a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, and one of the first things that that does is that says that I belong to God. You belong to God. We belong to God. It it says that we're authentic and we're the real deal. And why is that important? Because most of us, maybe not all, but most of us struggle with really feeling like we're the real deal. You ever feel that way? We talked about that quite a bit last week. We, we struggle with feeling like, am I really a Christian? Am I really saved? I know I'm a mess. I don't know if God can really save me, but he is saying, you are mine. If you have the Holy Spirit, you are owned by me. You are authentically, really, truly holy mine. You are genuine. You are the real deal. You are it. Not because, and we talked about that a lot last week, so go back and watch if you didn't get to do that. But we talked about how it's not because you earned it, not because you got better, not because you got good enough, and he's like, okay, now you've reached a certain level, I can be seen with you. You know, have you ever had that in life where certain people didn't want to hang around you until you achieved a certain certain status or achieved a certain look or wore the right clothes? That's not the way it is with God. He says, this one is mine because they came to me through Jesus. He predestined that plan. He chose that plan that in Jesus, all of us, all of us could be righteous. And if that doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what to tell you. Because I don't deserve it, you don't deserve it. But you are genuine, you are really fully His. The Holy Spirit in you, in me, shouts one major message. You belong to God. Now that means the good news that you are not your own, that you belong to Him, but that also means that He is your Lord too as well. He's your Savior, Jesus is your Savior, but He's also your Lord, you belong to God. And I want to tell you this, it doesn't matter what the haters say about you, to quote Taylor Swift, haters going to what? Hate, 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 and it don't matter, just shake it off, right? I don't usually quote Taylor Swift, but every now and then I got to throw, we got different folks, so I got to, you know, reach out to different people. I'm usually quoting Wu-Tang Clan and people like that. But (laughs) Taylor Swift said, hate, 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 and it don't matter, shake it off. And that's the thing, no matter what anybody says about you, no matter what, here's your biggest enemy is right in here. Your biggest enemy is in your own head sometimes will tell you, you are not loved, you are not chosen, you are not worthy, you don't really belong to God. And the enemy, Satan, loves to take those little lies. He is the father of lies, and he will lie to you, and he will make you question your identity. Remember we talked about very recently about Jesus, that's why those, those, uh, those temptations were so important. He was trying to get him to question his identity. So you need to know that you are His. Not only does the Spirit mark us or seal us, 
It's the promise of Jesus' return. The Spirit is the promise of Jesus' return. Look at verse 14. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory? Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory? It, it says there that this word, it's a guarantee, it's a pledge, it's earnest. It's a, a down payment. The Spirit is a down payment. It is earnest money. Do you, or have you ever uh, bought a house? You know, and one of the things that you can put money down for ahead of time is earnest money. You have earnest money and due diligence money. I don't claim to be a realtor, but I've, you know, done it just enough to know it makes me sick to my stomach, right? I'm going to give you money for, for nothing, <laughs> you know, but I'm going to give you this earnest money. And this earnest money is a pledge saying, I'm serious about what? Buying this house. I remember hearing at the beginning of the pandemic when the realty market just went poof, just like took off through the sky. And I heard in, in houses, like regular, like middle class houses, I'm not talking about big baller mansions, I'm talking about regular houses. People were putting down $100,000 in earnest money. I, that's, that blows my mind. But they were saying what? I am serious about this. This is mine. I want it to be mine. I'm coming to get it. I'm putting this down. And so when you are given the Holy Spirit, it's, it's a sense, it's God saying, I'm coming back to what? Get you. You are mine. I'm serious about you. And we talked about last week about redemption, about Him buying our freedom. And the, the crazy thing that's sort of hard to understand is that you have it now but you don't yet have the fullness. Because right now, even though you may have been baptized into Christ and you died to your old self and you're raised to walk in a new life, you've still got what? All this, right? And you still got to wrestle and fight until Jesus comes back. But he's saying, I am coming back. I've saved your spirit. I've changed your spirit. But one day I'm going to make your whole body new. And you've got this new everything. And it's going to be this new creation. I'm coming back. I will be back. I have put a valuable purchase down for you, this earnest, I'm coming back. You can have no doubt. Do you really think the God of the universe would leave a part of himself to live in little old you and me and not come back to get us? He's coming back one day. You might not have it on the outside but you have it on the inside. Jesus is coming back. The Spirit is a deposit, and the Spirit reveals our true identity. That's another thing the Spirit does. The Spirit reveals our true identity. Look at Ephesians 1, beginning in verse 15. It says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. He's saying, you're so faithful, I'm giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. Now, one thing I want to point out is I would agree with the idea that this word spirit here, the spirit of wisdom and knowledge is probably not literally referring to the Holy Spirit, but I believe by the Holy Spirit, in our spirit, we're given that. We're given that idea, that understanding of wisdom and knowledge. And what it means is this, we can know who we truly are. 
And because we've been talking about a lot this morning, we talked about a lot last week, we struggle with knowing our true identity. And we need to be reminded. And through the Holy Spirit of God, we in our spirit can understand the eyes of our heart can be opened, enlightened. How many of you ever been in a cavern? Uh, you ever been to, I think it's called Linville Caverns in, I believe, North Carolina, Tennessee area? And I took a tour there years ago, and we went down deep in here, and they get you in there, they get you in this room, and all of a sudden they cut off all the lights. And I'm telling you, I thought I had been in dark places. You literally, he said, put your hand in front of your face. And you know how after a while, if you're in a dark place, your eyes will adjust, and you can see whatever's in front of you very dimly. Your eyes do not adjust there because there's literally no light at all. And so our hearts can be like that sometimes. We think we know the truth, but we just get in this darkness and we need our eyes open, the eyes of our heart to understand who we are. He says, so that you would know the hope to which you are called, the riches of your, glor of your glorious inheritance. Now, here's what's beautiful. Earlier on, a couple verses back, it talked about our inheritance, but this says his inheritance. Do you know what is beautiful about that? When it's talking about that, when Paul writes there, uh, just so you know where I'm talking about, it says in verse 18, the glorious inheritance in the saints, we are the inheritance of Jesus. We are the inheritance of God. We are in the lineage of God. You have a royal identity through Jesus Christ. You have, you don't need to doubt anymore. You don't need to question. You don't need to fall into those lies, the traps of Satan. You can know who you are. We forget who we are and what our value and our purpose is. And as we also talked about last week, a lot of the discouragements and the divisions and the arguments and fighting that take place between us as human beings, and even those of us in the church, they come from not understanding our, our true identity, right? Because imagine back when you are on the playground, you know? You ever get in an argument or disagreement when you're on the playground as a kid? You're standing there and somebody comes up and then they say like, you're a duty head. And you get all offended, right? You get all offended. You're ready to fight. And then they say something about your mama, right? And then it's really on, right? Why, why should it bother you? Why should it bother you? What, because you know the comeback should be it takes one to know one, right? Why should it bother you what somebody who's really just being kind of a duty head says that you're duty? You know you're not one. You know, but we still get bogged down in those little disagreements, and we start to doubt and question and wonder who we are. We don't have to doubt our identity in Jesus Christ. And the sad reality is that a lot of us, the world is burning around us. And the world's in chaos, and the train is barreling down the tracks, and the brakes are out, and it's getting ready to jump the tracks and go off rails, and we are just walking around like nerdy Clark Kent when really, who are we on the inside? Superman. And yet we don't acknowledge and understand who we are in Christ. And when we really just open up and allow God to use us, he can help save the people around us who need to know him as Lord and Savior. Well, the Spirit also has power for life. The Spirit has power for life. Look at verse 19. It says, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might 
that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. The same power that dwells inside of us through the Holy Spirit is the same power. Y'all wake up. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. But yet, how does that power look in our lives a lot of time? I got Holy Spirit power. I'm just as guilty. Now, we could go into a big discussion about what that looks like, and we're going to touch on that for just a quick second today. But the power is this. The Holy Spirit is the same power that brought Jesus back from the dead, and the Holy Spirit is still bringing dead men back to life, still bringing dead women back to life. And that, my friends, is one of the greatest things that the Holy Spirit accomplishes, is that while you, and you, and you, and you, and you watching online, and me, and everybody in the world, while we were yet dead in sin. Jesus went to the cross and died and allowed the Holy Spirit to enter us when we believed and were baptized into Christ to bring us from death to life. That is a miracle. And if no other miracles are ever accomplished, that is enough that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life and that you are alive when once you were dead. That is a powerful, powerful spirit that dwells inside of you and I. People get caught up with power, don't they? There's a lot of TV preachers that claim to have special spirit power, and they have massive followings, and they get rich and wealthy because, have y'all ever seen where people take, like, uh, I hate to call a name, but I know Benny Hinn's one of them, you know, he'll swing his coat around and people fall out. I don't think that's legit, just to be honest. But somebody put in, like, lightsabers. (laughs) Okay, I'm weird. I, I thought it was funny. I have to show you sometime. But they claim to have this Holy Spirit power, but that's not what we see the Holy Spirit power being used for in Scripture. First and foremost is for bringing dead people back to life. And you can have all the show and all the glitz and glamour you want, but if the Holy Spirit has not brought you and made you new and brought you from death to life, then you have missed all the power. And so we've got to rely and know and trust that the Holy Spirit power is what's there. The most important thing is new life in the kingdom. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Without being a new creation, you won't spend eternity with God. You won't spend eternity with God without being made new, brought from death to life. The Holy Spirit is a vital part of making us new because of the blood of Jesus that was spilled on the cross, the body of Jesus that was broken. And as we talked about last week, we are redeemed, we are declared righteous. And Paul addresses that in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. I want you to listen. Think about the Ephesians things that we've been reading. I want you to listen for common language here in Colossians 2, verse 9. It says, for in him, that is Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands 
by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Man, that is something, right? He, he says, the Apostle Paul writes, he says that the Spirit is working in us at the moment of our faith in Christ, our baptism into Christ, where he cut, Jesus cuts away our old sinful self and he raises us from death to life. And you may be saying, well, reading, the, reading Colossians, how do you know that the Spirit is the one that's at work there? Because it doesn't explicitly say the Spirit. Well, what about on the day of Pentecost? When the church began, the first gospel message was ever preached, when everybody realized that they had killed the Messiah, the one they'd been waiting for, it says they were cut to the heart. What did they call out? They called out, brothers, what shall we do? And what did Peter, along with the other apostles, answer in Acts chapter 2, verse 38? He said, Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Your sin will be taken away. Jesus will cut it away, and you will be given the Holy Spirit. When you were baptized into Christ by faith, God removes your sin and raises you from spiritual death by the power of the Spirit of God. That's the same language there in Ephesians 1 where it says the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated at him in his right hand. And then Colossians 2 where he says this, he says, the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. That's good news, y'all, is that Jesus does a work in us through the power of the Holy Spirit because of his sacrifice on the cross. And let's finish that Colossians passage there in chapter 2, beginning verse 13. It says, You who were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Nailed it to the cross. You are no longer charged. You are no longer found guilty. You no longer in question. You are free by the power of the Spirit of God because of the sacrifice of Jesus. It's not just that you're let go. There's no charges that stand against you anymore. So, I have to say this. If you need to know that kind of freedom and you need to know what it means to have that sort of being brought from death to life, then let's get baptized. <laughs> let's do what the Scripture tells us and let's follow what Jesus says. Get baptized and be brought from death to life. Don't wait anymore. Don't make excuses, but say, I don't want to be dead anymore. I don't want to be guilty anymore. I don't want my sin to be hanging over my head anymore. I want to be alive, and the power of the Holy Spirit will do that for you at baptism into Christ. But wait, there's more. <laughs> because Jesus hasn't returned yet. You've still got your flesh on you, right? 
You still have all these desires and all these things that you want to do, and that stuff is fighting with your spirit. Your spirit's been made new, but man, you're just wanting to go back to your old way of life, and it is a battle. It is a wrestling match, and it wants to drag you down into the pit. It wants to take you back in that grave, and the Holy Spirit, this work is not just done at the moment of being made new and brought from death to life. It continually helps you come back to life when that old way is trying to drag you back to the death. It helps you stand strong. It's what we call sanctification or the process of becoming holy. Look at Galatians chapter 5. It says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. There's that battle we're talking about. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. The flesh is trying to drag you back into that grave. And then Paul goes over and he talks about the works of the flesh and he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And for lack of time, we're not going to read that. You can go back and read that. But then he closes that little section in verse 25. And here's what he says. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. The Spirit of God helps us to get rid of the things that hurt us and the things that hurt other people. And it gives us this nudging and it. it makes us feel convicted like, like Scotty talked about, this discipline that God brings on us, this guilt, this shame when we start to go back in that old way of life and we start to be named by it rather than named by life in the Spirit. But we have to keep in step with the Spirit. We have to nourish the Spirit with things that are excellent and praiseworthy like it talks about in Philippians 4.8. Instead of grieving the Spirit like it talks about in Ephesians chapter 4. And so I ask you, are you spending time with God and His Word? Are you spending time with God and His people so that they can help you and be spokespeople of the Holy Spirit to say, hey, look, this isn't the way you should be living, or how are you doing? They're asking about you, and they're checking on you. Are you getting in God's Word? Are you spending time with His people? Are you filling your mind with things that are excellent and praiseworthy? Are you filling your mind with stuff that's just dragging you back in that grave? What are you feeding the Spirit? Are you allowing the Word of God to gain strength in you through the power of the Spirit? And then I'll ask you this, are you taking opportunities to follow where the Spirit leads you to grow your faith, or are you just always staying in the boat? Because the Spirit will give you nudges to try to point you in a direction, but a lot of times we say, nope, mm -mm, I'm going this way. Or I'm not getting out of the boat. I don't know where everything's at over there. I'm afraid. I don't want to do it. Are you talking and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you where you need to go to grow your faith? Why does that matter? Why does that matter? Why does it really matter? I'm going to heaven. I've got the Spirit of God. Why does any of that stuff really matter? Because as we read in Colossians 2, he said, you have been given fullness in Jesus, right? And listen to how Paul closes this section of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 21. We're almost done. He says, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his, that is Jesus' feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. What that, may, what that saying is that God gave his 
uh, Jesus to the church. He gave him to us, and he gave us to Jesus. And so people can see, Jesus, that we can become the fullness of Jesus in this world. That when people look at us, they don't see us. They see people that have been changed by Jesus. And that's what God has planned for us. That's what God has called us to do. That the church will be the fullness of Jesus in the world. As we talked about last week, we're supposed to be like, the church is supposed to be a glimpse or a summary of heaven. We're supposed to be a summary of Jesus. And so when people see us, they need to see Jesus. The truth is, is that we look more like Jesus when we yield to the Holy Spirit. When we fill our minds and our hearts with the Word of God, we spend our time around the church to be encouraged and to be corrected and to be brought back on the right path. When we look more like Jesus, when we yield to the Holy Spirit. But let me ask you this. If the entire church were judged, so to speak, on your submission to the Spirit of God, how much would the church look like Jesus? If everybody was judged on how much you submitted to the Spirit of God, how much would his church look like Jesus based on your relationship with him? Because it's gotta start with you. Would you repeat something with me? It's gonna be up on the screen. Before it can be about we, It has to be about me. Would you say that with me? One, two, three. Before it can be about we, it has to be about me. The easy thing to do would be to hear this message and be like, man, I wish those people that weren't here today would have been there to hear that message. Mm, Or I wish my, I hope my husband was listening. Or I hope my wife or my friends were listening. I hope my coworkers listen. It can't be about all of us until it's about who? Us individually first. Because then we come together and we look like Jesus or we look less like Jesus. We allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and change us. And so here's what I want you to, to pray. Father, help me to do what I need to do to have your Spirit and help me to do what I need to do to continue to submit to your Spirit. So pray that prayer. Father, help me to do what I need to do to have your spirit. And help me to do what I need to do to continue to submit to your spirit. So that I and that we as the church look more like Jesus. Brought from death to life. Take a few moments and talk to God. And allow him to guide you where you need to be the Spirit to have its way. And then we'll sing and worship. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.